Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. This is an exciting weekend because I get to open up a new series. And actually, my son Joseph opened it up last week. And he did something I never witnessed being done before, but he did an excellent job. He ended a series, which is Helping the Next Gen Win, and then he started a series, How to Hear God's Voice, and just did an incredible job. So I get to do really the second lesson this weekend. And I want to open up with a story. When I was graduating from Bible school, I'm ready to graduate. I had three offers on the table. I had uh, two offers here in Mahoning Valley uh, to be an associate pastor in two different churches. And then I had another offer where I was going to Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that was an offer to be the executive pastor of that church. So this, this was a big church. Back in the day, it was one of the biggest churches in the country. They ran 3,500 on a weekend and had over 5,000 on Easter. And an executive pastor would be this. You have your senior pastor, you have your executive pastor, and then all the associates are under the executive, and he's running the church. And so they offered me that. Now, when I was in Bible school, I was, I was their uh, young adults pastor, so I was doing that part-time. But it was an incredible offer. It's what I wanted to do. But I thought, I just graduated from Bible school. I should pray. And so I prayed. And I said, God, which one do you want me to take? And I'm like, I know which one I'm taking. But you just pray. And then God did. God did the most amazing thing. It, it blew my mind. I wasn't happy with it. He dropped a desire in me to come back here to my hometown and to start Believer's Church. And the first time it came, the first time I heard the voice of God deal with me about that, I rebuked it and I said, get thee behind me, Satan. There's t- I'm going to tell you two reasons. Here they are. You ready? Number one, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm saying to God, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, you know, debating with him. I'm saying, now, God, when Jesus went to his hometown, and he's the son of God, by the way, he wasn't received, and I said, I'm just Joe Smo. I'm Joe Bag of Donuts. I don't want to go to my hometown. Second reason was this. I said, God, I just graduated from Bible school. I don't feel ready to be a senior pastor. I'd like to help somebody and learn more. And, and yet God disagreed. He didn't, he, my argument did nothing because every time I prayed, it became stronger and stronger and stronger, and I couldn't go to bed without it annoying me. I couldn't get up without it annoying me. And, and I knew this is what God wants me to do. It was a fourth, a fourth voice that I, I wasn't expecting. And we're going to begin to talk about the voice of God today. And if you're a Christian, this is a big deal to you because God is God. And God knows the future. And no other voice on this planet knows what's coming tomorrow, but God does and you have the privilege of literally hearing the voice of God. And we're going to make it simple. It's not going to be weird. But I, I found out as I looked at the Bible, there's four main ways that God communicates with us. I call it the four voices of God. We're actually going to open those up next week. But here's what I want you to walk out today, both campuses, right? I want you to walk out understanding this more clearly than ever. I call it my big idea. And here it is. You were created to recognize God's voice in a world full of strange voices. So we're going to talk about some strange voices in a minute, but can we first just talk about the first part of this? You were created to recognize God's voice. The created part means when you were, when you were born again or when you accepted Christ, 
God recreated you on the inside. He made you one of his kids. And you were made to literally recognize, hear, and be able to follow the voice of God. A story came to mind. When I was a sophomore in high school, my parents were very strict. And as a sophomore, my curfew was 10 p.m. I had to be home by 10 p.m. They hardly ever let me stay at a friend's house. But this one weekend, I begged. And so my mom said, go ahead. But be in at 10 o'clock, your curfew. She knew their parents. And so I said, okay. So I'm there with my friend. We had a bunch of other friends over. We're hanging out. And about 10, 15 at night, one of the guys said, let's go to McDonald's. And back then, that was the hangout, right? So I grew up going to JFK. And JFK and Hallen, we hung out at the McDonald's on 422 and North Road, right on the corner. That McDonald's closed, and now it's Marcus Street and, 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 uh, and North Road, and it's the most magnificent McDonald's. But back in our day, it was 422, right near my house. And so uh, I said, let's go. I didn't even say, let's not go. So I went, and it was like a tailgate party that night. I mean, parking lot was full. We were all eating McDonald's out there. But I went inside. I'm sitting in a booth four guys. There's another booth with a bunch of our friends. They're kneeling over. We're talking. Some are standing. And there's over 100 people in there. And it's so loud. And we're all talking. And we're having a great time. And then all of a sudden, I heard a voice pierce through the crowd. Here's the voice. Here's what it said. I'll have a coffee. Black. It was my dad. And, and, and I, I was like in shock and fear, and I turned around, and he was ordering a coffee, but his back was to me. So I immediately, I dunked, and, and, and I, I, I got underneath the booth, and I told my buddies, there's no way to get out without him seeing me. And the napkins were near our booth, and I thought he might come get a napkin. And so I told my buddies, you've got to cover me. So they're all covering me. And my dad worked midnight almost his whole adult life, and we lived two streets behind McDonald's, and he was going out to Packard to work, and I didn't know once in a while he stopped for coffee. I would have came after 11 if I knew that. But uh, I didn't know. But finally he left. He never saw me. I was safe. But here's why I share that story. This is, this is, all those voices. And yet when my dad spoke and just said, I'll have a coffee, black. When he said that, it pierced every other voice and came into my ears. And I heard it. And you live in a world full of strange voices. There's all kinds of voices. Some are okay, some are crazy, but it's a world full of voices. And God says you can come to a place and you can grow to a place in maturity to where you literally can recognize his voice in the midst of all these strange voices. And why was it I recognized my dad's voice? I spent 16 years with him. I heard that voice every day of my life just about. And so I was so trained and so tuned into his voice, I recognized it in the midst of all that noise. And that's what God wants us to do as Christians. He wants us to come up to a place to where we immediately recognize his voice wherever we're at. And for some of you, you lived it, but not, you just kind of back down and you're not living it anymore and God wants you to come back up to it. For some of you, this is new. All of us, I just want to take us to a higher place in God and the ability to recognize the voice of God. So we're going to have a blast as we go through this and uh, we're going to learn so much. Here's two verses I think say it all. Here it goes. It reads like this, John 10, 4. He, Jesus, walks ahead of them, Christians, and they follow him for they recognize his voice. Now, the word recognize means 
we know it's him, but it also means to acknowledge. So we, we know it's him and we acknowledge it, and that's why we're following him. Listen to the next verse, verse 5. They won't follow a stranger, but will run from him, for they don't recognize his voice. Now they hear it, but they don't acknowledge it. And that stranger could be a false religion. It could be the enemy. But there are all kind of voices in the world in which we live. And many of us have grown up. Maybe we didn't know God. We've grown up following voices that God doesn't want us to follow. And so I thought, let's take a look at some of the strange voices out there and let's help ourselves understand the voices God doesn't want us to follow. So um, I came up with four and I could, I could say there's subcategories under those, but I want to have some fun as we look at these four voices. And the first one is really, really, it's a voice all of us are being bombarded with constantly. I call it the strange voice of culture. And when I use the term culture, I'm not, I'm not referring to the music of the day, the clothing of the day, the hairstyles of the day. I'm not referring to tattoos or, or piercings. God really doesn't care about those things. I'm talking about ideology. I'm talking about the belief system of the culture you and I live in. And it is so easy for you and I to follow that ideology because there's a pressure not to follow it, right? And I'll just give you a simple example. And if you've ever done this, you know, you know there's a pressure. But Gene and I, because the Bible says to, you know, we know what God says. He says, give thanks when you eat. When we're in a restaurant, we always pray. And if we're alone, uh, I'll grab her hands. And I, I always ask her to pray, but she always wants me to pray. And I, I do want to tell you, he, she prays way better than me. So if you ever need prayer, you'd be better to ask her. And uh, she'll pray longer too. And, and so, so I join hands. I just say, God, I thank you for this time with my lovely wife. And we thank you for this food. And we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know how, if you've ever done that, you look up and the waiter or waitress came back. You didn't know they were coming back. They're kind of standing there. Sometimes they smile and sometimes they're looking at you like you're crazy. Or the table next to you might smile because they're Christian. Or they might look at you like you're nuts. That's just a simple, simple, simple example of when you and I begin to follow the voice of God. And you know what his number one voice is? It's the scriptures. Now there's three other voices. One's the inner voice. We'll talk about all of them next week. But the main voice of God is the scriptures. And when you're reading the Bible, that's God speaking to you. And the more we read the Bible, we're going to begin to see that the Bible tells us to do some things that culture is doing completely the opposite. And I want to just say it this way. I think this is a great way to say it. We can't follow a culture that isn't following God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, that the God of this world, and he doesn't do it in a weird way, but he does it by programming us, that he blinds the minds of the unbelievers. And so we live in a culture where if people aren't following Christ, and the majority of our culture isn't, doesn't mean they're terrible people, but they're going to do some things and live some ways that are ways God's asking us not to. And we have to realize those strange voices are bombarding us. And not only are there the big umbrella voice of culture, you know, culture's prejudice or if, if, if culture in any way is racist or culture is doing some really terrible things, that, that pressure is going to be on you at times to go ahead and conform to it. We have to bust loose and say, I'm not conforming to any of the things that culture wants in my life. But I want to also take it home a little further. Think about the culture of your family. Think about the culture of your closest friends. 
And, and your closest friends may all be Christians, but there still could be some times when things come up that maybe shouldn't come up. Or with your family, can we all agree there's times when our family wants us to do things that maybe God doesn't want us to do? And I'll never forget, God dealt with my heart um, when I was a new Christian. I was about 19 years old. And he dealt with my heart to leave the church I was going to and go to another church. And my dad and mom were so mad at me. And I'll never forget my dad saying, if you go to that church, when you come home, he said, everything you own will be in the front yard and you're not going to live here. And, and so he was, he was letting me know, that's my family culture, right? We all have family culture. And, and he's telling me, don't you dare do it. And I remember I was so young. I was a young guy, 19, and I was also a young Christian. But somehow God gave me wisdom on the spot. I said, you know what, Dad? This is your house. And I respect that. And if you don't want me to live here, I'm fine with it. But you'll always be my dad, and I'll always love you. But I have to obey what I feel God's dealing with me to do. And I had that pressure of the culture of my family coming at me. And that pressure might come at you in a hundred different ways. But I'll never forget, I just went and did what I knew God wanted me to do. And get, I, I remember coming home, Dad didn't throw it out, and Dad ended up accepting Christ, and Dad ended up walking with God. And here's what I've learned. If we buck the culture of our family when it's unbiblical, we can bring our family to Christ. If we yield to it, we'll probably never bring our family to Christ. But it's all swimming upstream. Here's a scripture. I love this scripture. It's Romans 12, verse 2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, God wants us to look at culture, look at the Bible, and figure out which one's right. Instead, fix your attention on God. That's through the Bible, right? And listen to this. This is something I love. You hear me pray this a lot. You'll be changed from the inside out. If you've been coming to believers any length of time, here, here's what, you, what you'll find out. I am not going to preach a bunch of do's and don'ts. Even in my examples, I'm not giving you a lot of specifics because I know God's dealing with hearts as I speak. Here's what I know. The way you grow and the way you change and the way you become godly is from the inside out. And if I can direct you to God in the scriptures, God's going to do the rest. But when he begins to do it, listen to what it goes on to say. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. If you don't respond quickly, sometimes you'll back off. You'll forget about it. He goes on to say <coughs> this. He says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God breaks the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, did you catch the switch there? Culture is going to take you down a dead-end road, but there's no pressure there if you follow it. God's going to take you down a road that is incredible, and that's what that last uh, verse is saying, the last part of the verse. God's going to take you down the road of freedom. God's going to take you down the road of purpose. You're going to feel fulfilled. Even when you're walking through a valley, you're going to have peace. You're going to have joy because you're following the voice of God. So we have to, no, sometimes we have to buck the voice of culture. Here's, here's the next one. And this one I, I really fell into in my early life. I call it strange spiritual voices. And uh, I remember when I was a little guy, my, my grandma was, was staying over for just a short time. And she was my dad's mom, so we called her Nana. She was from southern Italy. She was an immigrant, and she spoke with this Calabrian uh, where she was from dialect. And one day I open a, a door, and there she is sitting there, and she has a dish. It's full of water, and there, there was some oil in it. She had some spices in it, 
And she's taking this, and she's muttering in Italian, and, it, and she looks so scared, and she's just splashing it on herself, and she's muttering these words in Italian, and I'm freaking out. I'm a young guy. I said, Nada, what are you doing? Here's what she said. She said, one of our relatives put the malochi on her a couple of days before, and she said, I woke up sick today, and I know they put the malochi on me. And, and I, I didn't know. I said, Grandma, Nana, what's the malochi? I didn't know what it was yet. She said, they cursed me. And I said, how did they curse you? She said, they said something nice to me. I said, how can saying something nice to you be a curse? She goes, oh, that's how they get the malochi on you. Now, <clears throat> it just opened the door for me. Um, most of you know what the Italian horn is. You see it behind me. And uh, the Italian horn, um, the, the whole reason it was created is the Italian horn is meant to ward off the malochi. So if you wear it around your neck, no one can curse you. But here's the good news. You guys ready? Here's the good news. If you're a Christian, God's not going to allow anyone to put any curse on you, so you don't have to worry. Now, if you own one and you never knew that, keep wearing it. It doesn't matter. But if you're wearing it to keep the maloch off, then that's a strange spiritual voice you may want to walk away from, right? It all depends on why you wear your horn. Now, that opened this door up to me, and I, I began to get into seances, and we would hold these seances, and we'd have candles, and the lights would come down. And I'm I mean, there were times when it freaked me out because the candles would blow out. And I couldn't tell that anybody was blowing them out. And we'd be freaked out. And then we used Ouija boards and that things going to the letters. And it always seemed to say what I wanted it to, you know, like, yes, do that, Joe. And, and, uh, but it just opened the door and then horoscopes came and all these things came, astrology. And then I accept Christ. And then as you accept Christ, you begin to realize, wait a minute, man, this is, this is not cool in God's eyes. And why? Well, because God doesn't want you following those voices, whether, whether they're, you know, not true or true. He doesn't want you going down that road. Listen, listen to this scripture, Deuteronomy 18.9. When you enter the land that God your God has given you, speaking to the children of Israel, don't take on the abominable ways of life of the nations there. So he's saying, when you go conquer the land of Canaan that I'm giving you, don't take on their ways. Listen to one of their ways, verse 11. Don't practice divination, which is seeking knowledge of the future by invoking spirits, sorcery, fortune-telling, you know, the cards, crystal ball. He says, witchery, casting spells, holding seances, well, hello. And, uh, and, and, and then he said, channeling with the dead, where a dead spirit actually gets in you and talks through you. And they were doing this way back in Bible days. That's crazy but it was being done. And God's saying, I don't want you to do any of that. So here's something that blew my mind, just doing some research, you ready? The Babylonian Empire, which was a really powerful empire, and the Roman Empire, really powerful empires, do you know how they made the decision of whether or not to go to war? The number one way they made their decisions was by consulting the liver. They, they would sacrifice an animal, take the liver out, and look at it to determine whether they should go to war or not. That's pretty crazy. I don't know. None of us know. They, I was just reading. They say, we don't know if, it was, if it's spotted, go to war. If it's not spotted, don't. If, if it's hard, go to war. If it's soft, don't go to war. We don't know exactly, but that's what they would do. As a matter of fact, it made the Bible. Listen to this. This is Ezekiel 21, 21. For the king of Babylon stands at a fork, uncertain whether to attack Jerusalem or Rabbah. He will call his magicians to use divination. They will cast lots by shaking arrows from the quiver, and they will sacrifice to idols and inspect the liver of their sacrifice. 
Now, this is crazy. Can you imagine? You shake the, the arrows in the quiver and you go like this, and however they fall, that determines how you divide your army and, for the attack. But then they'd look at that liver, and if the liver said the right thing, they'd go to war. Good thing they were pretty powerful or they would have lost a lot of wars, right? They were just powerful, more powerful than a lot of the nations they, they went after. And so in researching this, I was amazed. You know, in, in ancient Egypt, what they did, um, they, they would examine your doo-doo and, uh, and, and they would literally find out what to do. There were people that would examine your doo-doo and tell you whether you should go somewhere or do something. And I want to tell you, never do that because if you do that, you're going to have a poopy future, okay? It's just going <laughs> to going to be really, really poopy, and uh, it's just not the way to be led, right? Um, there's another thing they did. They would examine your bottom, and uh, so you could go to someone that would examine your bottom to tell you your future, or what, you know, whether to do something or not, and I could see walking in, and they'd go, Joe, your future is vast, and, but it's a, little, it's a little lumpy, or something like that, you know? <laughs> Crazy, right? Crazy. Well, Paul went into this city called Ephesus. He had an incredible revival. He hung out for two years, right, in this city. And something just began to happen spontaneously. Listen to Acts 19.19. It says, some of them had considerable libraries about their magic arts. They piled up their books and burned them publicly. Someone estimated the value of the books to be 50,000 silver coins. So tonight, the Borman campus here, we're all coming back. We're bringing all of our books and burning them. No, we're not going to do that. Don't do that. But listen, listen. I really believe God does want to speak to some of us, and I really believe he wants us to understand that he doesn't want us following, whether it's astrology or whatever it is. He wants us to understand that we were created to recognize God's voice in a world full of strange voices. So he doesn't want us following culture. Unless it's right, he doesn't want us following strange spiritual voices. Here's, here's number three. The third one is, I call it the strange voice of conscience. Remember Jiminy Cricket, uh, let your conscience be your guide? Sometimes our conscience is correct, and sometimes it's really wrong. Because your conscience is the result of what you've been programmed with your entire life. So if you've not been programmed correctly, your conscience can be wrong. And even us that have been Christians for a while, sometimes our conscience can be wrong. And when you're being led by your conscience, here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, I feel all right doing that. That feels good. I'm going to do it. Well, sometimes it feels good and it's correct. Sometimes it feels good and it's not correct. So sometimes your conscience is right. You want to honor it. We want to live by what we know to be true biblically and honor our conscience. But you don't want that to be the way that you're led because your conscience could be absolutely 100% incorrect. And the guy who wrote three quarters of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, listen to what he said, 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He said, my conscience is clear, but even that isn't final proof. It is the Lord himself who must examine me and decide. Here's what he's saying. I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to be true to my conscience, but I'm going to take it to God and I'm going to take it to the scriptures. And I'm always going to make sure in prayer and by taking it to God to make sure it's exactly what he wants me to do. And so over the years, I've pastored here 34 years, guys. And so when you pastor generations of people, you're in the same community, you learn some things just from pastoring God's people. And I have had so many times when People have looked me in the eyes, and, and they're doing something so unbiblical, and they'll look me in the eyes and say, I just feel okay with it. It, it doesn't feel bad. And, and of course, being 
trying to be a good pastor, I would say, well, that's cool, but you can't go by that feeling. You have to, let's look at the voice of God. Let's look at the scriptures. And, and, and I've, I've always done my best to bring people back to what we should be following. Now, here's number four. This one gets all of us, man, all of us. You're going you're to have to be challenged with this sometime in the next couple weeks. And I call it the strange voice of circumstances. And if you allow the voice of circumstance to lead you, the enemy will lead you. This crazy earth with all its problems will lead you. People will lead you, but it may not be God leading you. It's kind of like, you know, if the, if the uh, ushers are passing the buckets down the row and they skip your row, you know, you could say, oh, it must be God's will that I don't give today. Or if your alarm doesn't go off, you know, you say, it must be God's will that I don't go to church. My alarm didn't go off. But how about this? If the banker says, we're going to loan you the money for the house, or he says, I'm going to loan you the money for the business, you could say, well, it must be God's will. He's loaning me the money. That's the circumstance. Or what if the banker says, I'm not loaning you the money for the house, or the banker says, I'm not loaning you the money for the business, then you could easily say, it must be the will of God. That's circumstance. And sometimes circumstances may, may be what God wants. It, he may want you to back off, may want you to switch direction. But you cannot be led by circumstances. Or, or the enemy will take you down dead-end roads, and he'll ruin your life. Um, young people, I know you have these on your apps. If you don't, you want to maybe download it after I'm done speaking. And, uh, but when I, when I was growing up, we played pinball. And we didn't have video games yet, so we played pinball. And we had pinball games in all kind of public places. And and I used to remember a couple Christmases where I'd get a table pinball machine. And, and, and if you're not familiar with them, again, download the app, play it some. But, you know, you, you'd have the balls, and you'd hit the ball, and one ball would come into the, the, the area of play. And then you had those bumpers, and they had springs on them. And if a ball hit a bumper, you had some points. But then it would bounce off that bumper to another bumper, then bounce to another bumper, then bounce to another bumper. And then you had your two paddles, and you try to keep it in play. And there was a hole there. And if it went through the hole, you lost that ball. You only had a couple left. And when it was the last ball, you just went crazy trying to keep that baby alive. If you follow circumstances, you're going to be like a ball in a pinball machine. And your life's going to be ping, 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 ping. And eventually you're going to fall into the hole, which is a dead-end road, and you're not going to live God's best for your life. But God wants to be the one who leads you. God created you to recognize his voice in a world full of strange voices. So what do we do? Well, I think this scripture says it best. This is Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask and you will be given what you ask for. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Now, when the Bible talks about knocking, it's always referring to, God, what do you want me to do? do you, God, what direction do you want me to do? God, do you want me to take this opportunity? Don't you want me to take this opportunity? Knocking's always praying in regards to, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And just the fact that God's telling you to knock means he doesn't want you to settle for what you see. He doesn't want you to settle for circumstances. And I just want to encourage you never to allow circumstances to lead you. They're real. They're there. But is it what God wants you to do? Or does he want you to stand up and fight? Does he want you to stand up and knock? Does he, does he want you to be persistent? And if you just allow circumstances to guide you, you're, you're going to go down roads you never wanted to go down. But listen, God's waiting to speak. You know, and we have his general words from the Bible, but then he wants to speak with his inner voice, the other two voices. We'll talk about them next week. But the heart of God is for you 
to be led by the voice of God. I don't know about you, but on both campuses, if you're excited about the fact that God has created you to recognize this voice, can we give it up and just celebrate and say, thank you, God? That's absolutely incredible. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to pray right now. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather Boardman Campus, join us in our prayers. And Lord, I, I know because I've sat in the audience many times. I sat in the audience Wednesday night, man, on first Wednesday. And man, did you minister to me, Lord. And I know while I was teaching, you were ministering to people. And Lord, this is a moment we're taking with you right now. Lord, you've dealt with some of us. You've stirred our hearts concerning these strange voices and how you don't want us to listen to those particular voices. So now, Lord, we're, gonna, we're just going to make some commitments to you, Lord. And we're just going to say, Lord, we're, we're, we're going to make a commitment. We're not going to follow the voice of culture. Maybe some of you have been doing that. You're going to say, Lord, I'm going to stand up and I'm not going to follow that voice. We're not going to follow strange spiritual voices. We're not going to follow just the voice of our conscience, and we're not going to follow the voice of circumstances. And for some of you, God has spoken. He has done some incredible things. I want you to just take a moment, make that commitment to God. Say, God, I'm going to do that. For others, as heads are bowed, we're still praying, man. You have been very sensitive to the voice of God at times, but, but you've been dulled of late. And God is just, man, God is stirring you right now that this is the season. You've got to get back up to the level you were at and, and even go further. I just want you, as your heads are bowed, make those commitments to God right now. And I know the Holy Spirit's touching, speaking, ministering to people on both of our campuses right now. Now, I'm going to allow God to keep doing that, but I also want to make an offer for another prayer. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, God's still dealing with some hearts and speaking to hearts. If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, you're not sure if you were to, to die if you go to heaven or hell, maybe you walked in here not being sure there is a heaven or a hell, I want you to listen up. Right now, I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. I'm not asking you if you believed in God, didn't believe in God. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a time in your life when you made it real with Jesus and you made it personal? You said, Jesus, I believe you died for me. And Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. And Jesus, I receive you and make a decision to follow you today. The Bible says if you do that, God will save your soul. He will wash away your sin. It's amazing what it'll do. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. That's what I'm asking you. It's amazing. You can grow up in church your whole life and never do that. But I believe this is a moment right now for some people on our Borman campus here where God is dealing with your heart. You say, I'm ready, Pastor Joe. Here's all you have to do. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. All you have to do is pray with me. So everyone in the room, can we help them pray, both in Borman and here? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I need a Savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you're the only way to heaven. And I give you my heart today, and I make you my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Amen. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, listen, listen. 
You prayed that prayer, miracles happened. God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. It's absolutely amazing what God did. But something else is happening right now that's so special. The Bible teaches us that all of heaven is celebrating, including God himself, if one person prayed that prayer. Why? Because that's how you become one of God's kids. And every time God has a new child added to his family, he celebrates like we do down here when we have a new child added to our family. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.